So uh, shall we do the, a little bit of a intro for uh, for Builder Bear? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just came up with that. That's his new nickname now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm sure he'll love it. Yeah, I'm sure he'll really like that. Martin, keep that bit mm. in because I'm sure he'll like it. <laughs> Builder Bear coin. He'll love that. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Ghoulies Unflushed. Uh, like the idiots we are, well me, uh, any issue on Paul's side are probably down to his advanced age. Um, one of us was late to the recording for this episode. I won't say it was. It was Paul. Um, <laughs> I was told the wrong time. <laughs> you say this. I'm not sure if that's actually right. Um, anyway, Paul was late to our chat because he was busy collecting his pension. Uh, so we didn't quite introduce our guest properly uh, during our talk. I kind of hello Welcome. So here we are now. Um, anyway, this week we have Billy Cohen on the show, who we now affectionately call Builder Bear for some <laughs> stupid reason. Now I've, I've, got, I've, I've coined it. Hey, look at me. <laughs> um, he's on the show to discuss uh, our united love for the third Ghoulies movie, Ghoulies Go to College, aka mm. Ghoulies Three, Ghoulies Go to College, aka mm. Ghoulies. Ghoulies go to college for you UK <laughs> listeners. <laughs> so this week we have a Ghoulies go to college retrospective. Fantastic. And by retrospective, um, I mean Paul and I are trying to remember and speculate on the production. And Billy, who is far more eloquent than than Paul or I, um, gives mm. us his thoughts on the production. Which, to be fair, um, not much is known aside mm. from what what you know cast have remembered and that kind. Of, but you know, in terms of sort of budget and that kind of thing, we don't really know. I guess. Would have known more had it seen its planned theatrical release. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But hey, life is sucks. Still, yeah, <laughs> still very, very interesting though. There's plenty of interesting bits. Yes, what yes. makes life suck a little tiny bit less is speaking with like-minded creative folk like Mr. Billy Coin, and that's what we did mm. with no coercion at all. You did get the cash from Billy, right? <laughs> I did. <laughs> Have you anything to add, Paul? Uh, not particularly, no. Just um, a very enjoyable episode. This one was... You just go to college is probably one of my favourites from the series. I'm, I don't want to say my favourite. It is my most watched one. I you have said that, yeah. Although you didn't prove that point most. because you did fail quite miserably on the uh, very well-written quiz that I put together. No, not as bad as you failed on the well-written quiz that I put together for you on this film. Yeah, well, I've cut, I'm going to cut that bit out. <laughs> I bet you will as well. <laughs> I will, but you know the reason why? Because um, although... Because uh, you didn't get it right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm not going to... No, I'm not going to talk about it because I'll then have to leave it in. So I'm going to cut this bit out. <laughs> the reason, the only... Um, but yeah, um, the reason we had to cut it out is because... Billy is, uh, as we said, very eloquent, and he does know his own mind, and he does talk a lot. And uh, mm -hmm. the conversation we had with Billy did take about three days. And um, <laughs> yeah, well, obviously, I had to cut it down to about 90 minutes. So, uh, uh, yeah. Sorry, Billy. Yeah. There was some stuff we had to take out, but you knew that anyway. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, there we go. Uh, shall we do this? Yes, let's do this. Say it more like forthright, and then I'll put the um, the little tune after it. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Uh, 
I'm in I'm in my living room where I'm looking at a mess in front of me, and I have to clean this little area enough just so I feel like yes, my place is representable. Too bad I don't have like <laughs> I mean it's ridiculous. I have like empire posters that I've been framing up for years. Oh, yeah, I mean, I actually have downstairs right now an original reanimator, an original from beyond that I framed up. And I actually, my Ghoulies 2 poster, of course, you have to put nearby any bathroom because, you know, what self-respecting horror fan would not piece, cannot put a piece of, you know, Ghoulies merchandise or a poster in their own bathroom. Anything, anything. I mean, you know, you've got two kinds of people in this world. People who put Jaws poster in the bathroom and people who put a Ghoulies poster in the bathroom. Exactly. We fall in the ladder, and we're proud of it, damn it. <laughs> well, I tell you, this is actually quite fortuitous, actually, because um, uh, actually someone else had alerted me to this because I'm, I'm miles away. Uh, but uh, uh, we celebrate the 30th anniversary of Ghoulies Go to College this year, which um, you'd crazy. think it is. You'd think that they'd do something for it. You know, there'd be a new Blu-ray, there'd be something, but um, I haven't heard anything yet. Well, we need to toot the horn right now and say how wonderful Vestron Video is. And they actually are amazing. And mm-hmm. I have been buying their stuff. They own the rights to the Lionsgate stuff, because if you know that yep. box set that came out. So I would love to see a Ghoulies 3 Blue Blu-ray. I mean, it's so sad how Beekler passed away a few years ago. But, you know, I would love to hear, like you know, recollections of the movie or even like, you know, a little bone, bonus behind the scenes sort of thing. I mean, you know, I'm also being bonus features junkie. And I think if you know Vestron video, a lot of people are buying, you know, more than just the movie itself. But I would love to see a little package deal for Ghoulies Go to College. I mean, yeah. it's such I think goofy, it's-, it's so goofy and it's so different than all the other entries in the series. But it's a good standalone for what it is because it's so audacious. Oh, it is because you don't expect, um, or at least what I didn't when I saw it for the first time. I didn't expect to see these things talk, and uh, at which point I'd only seen the f- the second movie. But the, it just—I mean, although it works, that initial kind of like, oh, I didn't expect that. <laughs> it's quite jarring. It is jarring. You don't expect it, but I think we learn is that if you go to college, and eventually you learn to talk. <laughs> well. <yeah. laughs> Exactly. They're stepping off the ladder. We have to deal with Ragnar now, so we had to learn to talk in order to deal with him. <clears throat> well, okay. Well, let's. I, 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 have you written anything down, Paul? Because I've not got a huge amount of stuff here. But uh, well, if I, if I, if I figure we just do a bit of like uh, the release dates and when this was uh, out, uh, in, uh, you know, worldwide pre-production. Talk about the cast, and then we'll just kind of go like nuts on whatever you know and what your thoughts on the movie, Billy. How's that sound? That sounds great. I literally, I'm so glad I have nothing to do today, and I can talk ghoulies for hours on and Charlie Band and Empire. So this is a treat for me, and thank you so much for letting me be part of this. Of course. So, okay, well, um, uh, this side of the pond, at least, Goody's Go to College was released on the December 5th, right, Paul? No, December the 3rd. Come on, Graham. December 3rd? (laughs) December the 3rd, 1990. Yeah, okay. Oh, I was two days out. That's what happens when you go from memory. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, no, I got, yeah, remember I picked up that door hanger from the video store and it actually says December 3rd, 1990. I, I it. Know, it just says December yeah. 3rd. It doesn't say 1990, but we know that was the year. We know it was the year, yeah. yeah. And obviously the interest, and obviously not only the bizarre um, door hanger, but the fact mm-hmm. that um, they recycled the UK, the well, they recycled the 
What yeah. do you call it? Inflatable? Yeah. From Ghoulies 2 and slapped yeah, yeah. the Ghoulies Go to College on it. Yeah. Uh, Billy, have you got one of the inflatables? Are you one of the um, lucky ones? I actually have an original inflatable from 1986, and I also have that one that Paul, thank you very much for forwarding mm-hmm. the link uh, a yep. little more than six weeks ago, and I picked that one up. So I actually have two inflatables. Did you grab the just the inflatable, or did you grab the box as well? I wanted to grab the box, but it had already been sold out. And I'm like, damn it, I guess I'm spending 100 bucks on the, uh, an inflatable itself. It's like, well, I need that inflatable in one way, shape, or form. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay, so we got this in uh, early December 1990. You guys yeah. didn't get it till have I got anything written down? September 18th, 1991. So. Yeah. This is so Billy. You can describe the U.S. release. Um, I was, I mean, I was only ten when I first saw this. Uh, Paul, you were probably about twenty-five, nineteen ninety. I know So, Billy, what what did you? What was your first experience of seeing this movie? I guess you rented it. Actually, I first saw this, I believe, on TV. Wow. Uh, I believe I actually saw this on. I want to say it was Cin- Cinemax or something like that, but it was in the early nineties. I do know that. And then I was definitely familiar with the box art because I loved going into the the stores and scouring the covers. And when I actually did finally see it, I'm like, I need to buy this because I just remember it was nuts. It was crazy. And I just wanted to get as much physical media as I possibly could, um, even from a young age. And I want to say it finally became available to me in the form where I could buy it on VHS, but I was in high school then. And I remember I just watched the tape over and over and over until it actually wore out. But I, rem- I, I do remember when this first came out, but I didn't actually buy it until I want to say I was 13 years old. And had um, you seen the first two by this point? The first, yes. Um, I believe the very first one I saw was Ghoulies 2, and then I finally saw the first one. Um, and then I had already been, then the then established, then the franchise was already established for me. So I was just, you know, when I found out about three, um, I, I saw it, but I, I was so glad when I was able to buy it. And I just remember watching that tape over and over and over again. And the ridiculousness, not realizing I knew the three stooges, but I'm like, oh, my God, I'm learning more and more on how much these ghoulies are the three stooges. So it's really interesting. And then I finally watched it again on TV. I actually bought it on demand and I could actually use the subtitle option. I'm hearing jokes I never even heard before. Um, <laughs> and it's so funny because the ghoulies constantly talk over each other in this movie. Mm-hmm. And they are incredibly funny, but it's like, at what point do you start smashing your head against the wall as much as I love this? <laughs> you know, the whole landing strip joke, I never noticed that until I finally um, saw it on TV a week ago. And I've been, you know, I mean, there's so much overlapping in, in this movie. You don't hear yeah. jokes. And I was laughing my ass off like I saw it for the first time. No, it's amazing. You you told me to watch it with the subtitles on, Paul, because you said yes. it was insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The amount of stuff you missed. But the, the funny thing was, when it was released over here, again, which is just throws you off tone-wise, um, one of the early posters for Ghoulies was used as yeah. the video cover for Ghoulies Go to College. So you, even with little Malcolm on it and, the you know, 
Mm-hmm. And it just you, you just automatically think, or at least I did, I thought, oh, this is going to be the same kind of movie that the first two were. <laughs> yeah. And for it to kick in and immediately go, oh, no, this is very different. <laughs> it was a... Although, you know, as a 10-year-old as and still now, no, it's fantastic. I mean, I still loved it. Yeah. Um, I think it was the right way to go. I mean, by that point, I guess. I mean, and at the same time, this is what makes the, the whole series interesting because there's such a difference between the movies. Mm-hmm. Big difference. <laughs> so um, this was originally set to the open theatrically. And um, was it Vestra and Lost the Line of Credit from someone? Do you remember who, Paul? I don't. <laughs> I lost a line of credit and had to put it straight to the video. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I mean, how how cool would this have been to see it? You know, the cinema. I mean, amazing. This is the first one to not get a theatrical release, and it it would have been. How do you think that would have gone down? Do you think it would have been a hit? Yeah, uh, I think so. Yeah, I think it would have been. I don't know about the UK, but I think America at least it would definitely would have been a hit because I guess sort of frat comedies were quite popular over there. Was that right? Yeah, frat comedy. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I guess over here they're fairly popular, but it's it's a very very American film, I think, with all the fr- fraternities. We don't we you didn't go get to college, fr- you think? Yeah, we didn't get fraternities. We don't know. No. <laughs> well, everyone knows guys, Animal House. Well, yeah. I mean, you guys have university, so I don't know what the whole concept of like the frat life or fraternity mm-hmm. life is in the UK, where. I think the marketing of this film, if it was a theatrical, it would be a bomb. I mean, I wouldn't want it to be a bomb, but it mm-hmm. would totally be a bomb because so, this movie is so hard to market because there's this whole animal house component to it. But the creatures in this movie aren't like in the first two. There's a softness about them. And not not uh, not only in design, but in um, even though they do kill, their, their kills are so cartoony and over the top. It's almost like a kid's film. So yeah. it's, it would be so hard, to, I think, to cater this particular film to a specific market because it seems like it would be. A, you wouldn't want it to fail. But right. I think it is a failure. But the audience would have to embrace it and either love it or accept it. And that's where, it, you know, it does have this this weird kind of cult place in people's hearts, but it's just, it, it's like, it's the Sam Raimi, you know, if, if, I mean, to me, I, I think a lot of Sam Raimi humor in this movie, which is kind yeah. of par with what Beekler was doing because these guys can do comedy. I mean, you, I mean, you look at the voices for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. You have, you have Richard kind who is a comedian, who is the cat ghoulie. You have, you know, also, um, Bob Bergen. Yeah, Bob Bergen, who's Porky mm-hmm. Pig. And you also have the fish. Yeah. Um, Patrick. I, I wrote Penny. it down. Yeah. No, the fish <laughs> ghoulie and Patrick Penny. Patrick Penny, who's the, the fish ghoulie, he, um, you know, was on like SpongeBob. So a lot of yeah. these guys have were already established in voiceover and transitioning to video games. So it's that's the weird dynamic of the ghoulies themselves because there is this cartoony nature, but there is this, this adult theme as well for this fraternity and there's nudity. So it, it, it's everything, ju- the juxtaposition of everything makes it so difficult, but it's so funny and over the top and audacious for what it is. It'd be so hard to sell this thing. Mm-hmm. And that's where it would be a flop, but you don't, it's not a flop. If you actually do like this movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to hate <laughs> this movie is what I'm trying to say. I think if it came out, 
obviously this was you know would have been 1990 or 91 depending on when it you know was originally set for the actual if it came out 10 years later they probably would have cut it to pg-13 because essentially yeah. you can cut the nudity out and it's a kid's film you know i reckon you could kind of move around that a little bit and make it not quite so prominent because it isn't mm-hmm. that prominent anyway but um I, I, i'll just say you mentioned patrick Pinney because and I'm, i'll do there'll be three of these but there's three people who don't remember doing this movie or denied doing it. And Patrick <laughs> Pinney, who now does SpongeBob, right? He does, I don't know if he does. He, he does, does the, the theme tune. But he does the theme tune. Is it him? He's the, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that guy. Yeah. Okay. He said, he, said, he said, oh, okay. He said, nope, don't remember doing that. <laughs> <laughs> like, seriously, you're Patrick Pinney, you did fish it. Nope, don't remember it. It wasn't me. <laughs> wow. Obviously, he doesn't want to talk about it. But um, yeah, uh, yeah it's number, that's number one of people who don't remember doing it. <laughs> that's crazy i would kind of hope richard kind would have as a comedian i would kind of hope he mm. i don't i don't know but i would hope he would be able to laugh about this <laughs> and, and, and do something i mean he is so funny i love richard kind <laughs> i think the first time i saw him was in must have been spin city but um i saw him recently in something red oaks Anyone heard of Red Oaks? No. Well, I started laughing my hand when I was watching Gotham, and I'm like, oh, my God, the mayor is the ghoulie. <laughs> I know he's in Curb Your Enthusiasm. I remember seeing him in that. He's popped up in that, has he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's got, like, a reoccurring yeah. role in that. Yeah, Martin Short's father mm-hmm. and Clifford, which I another <laughs> one I love. <laughs> so uh, I guess, well, chip in if you know any different uh billy because you've got you know you have inside information but um i'm assuming uh from what i've well, actually bigler told me this but he he was originally offered the job to create the puppets for the film and turned around and said no no no, no I'll, I'll direct it i'll do the puppets but i'll direct it as well right that's it is that right according to everyone <laughs> when I heard. when I met John at Rock and Shock, um, I remember I talked to him. I had a booth there, and I spent next to no time at my booth, which is a big no-no because I was sitting <laughs> at the people the whole time talking to him. And it was he was mm-hmm. so he was so wonderful with this time, and he was like, "Listen, you know, like the intentions were like, you know, Charlie didn't know what he was going to be making, and then there's like this whole scratch and sniff component, and then you know, talking about like." the creatures basically kind of being added in after the fact. Um, this is the first one we're talking about. Right? Yeah, the, yeah, the first one. But it, it seems like from what I can piece together from talking to John is that, you know, this was a script that basically was written with a very dark tone. And, you know, the concepts of patricide, you know, were very dark enough, especially dealing with the occult, where it seems like Charlie was like, um, this is perfect to throw creatures in here, you know, and so let's kind of pepper them in. And it's weird because, you know, you hear different stories from different sources and it's like, well, what's the truth? And then you want to try and piece it together. But it seems like this was a very dark tone film and no matter how you cut it and they had to, but I think Charlie wanted to throw these creatures in because Ghoulies was successful and, um, not so much try and capitalize on it, but, you know, the film really became its own entity and really its own thing. That's kind of how I see the first Ghoulies, really, because I, I, I never thought Ghoulies was a Gremlins ripoff. I always thought it was something that really kind of stood on its own and that was kind of different. I wanna, There's a, a friend of mine on Facebook, Lionel, just posted today um, just to talk about the Gremlins bit. Um, uh, a lot of uh, behind-the-scenes shots of uh, the Goonies where um, uh, Spielberg's basically um, uh, 
holding the camera and directing the cast and that kind of stuff. And um, uh, obviously, it was for, for ages, it's been said that, you know, Toby Hooper didn't direct Poltergeist and that was Spielberg. And <laughs> now basically, I was almost turned around and said, well, I found all this stuff with Goonies. And uh, it does. It looks like it looks even more so like Spielberg uh, was directed the Goonies. He's even got his name director on some of the the call sheets. So I'm thinking, how long is it going to be till someone turns around and says, "I did Gremlins too." <laughs> well, I mean, I love Joe Dante. I love his commentaries, but I don't know what it is. When, why did he become so grumpy in recent years? I don't know. It's almost like thing. John Carpenter, but you know, if I didn't say John Carpenter, these guys are entitled to it. These guys have been doing it for so long. It's like they, if they want to bring out their little curmudgeon a tiny bit, they're entitled to it. And I understand that completely. But mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't get how, I mean, I, I read that thing of how Dante basically kind of didn't have some kind words, you know, about ghoulies. And I'm like, yeah. dude, you directed Piranha, which was a ripoff of Jaws. So it's like, <laughs> It's kind of like a weird situation where it's like we really need to pick and choose our battles, you know, where we're going to say mm-hmm. something is good over something else. But I don't know why. It seems like Ghoulies kind of became almost like a somewhat of a joke and a scapegoat, I think, for some people because it's easy, easy to make a target at. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I mean, you know, these are creature features. I mean, you know, it's horror. I mean, it's fine. And just embrace it for what it is. Mm-hmm. Not poking holes at one another for crying out loud, guys. No, I think I think. <laughs> Uh, Charlie Charlie Band, I, I've always thought Charlie Band kind of saw this as a bit of a thorn in his side, you know, being it was the kind of the movie that made the most amount of money for Empire. And at the same time, it's kind of the black sheep of the bunch in the sense that he just doesn't really want to um, uh, recognize it. You know, well, I don't know whether it's because he got sued over it or what, but there does seem to be something there that he just doesn't really seem to be interested <laughs> in. I don't know why. Yeah. I, mean, I think he's very much focused on what he's doing now. I mean, I suppose in some senses, yeah. there's plenty of people who don't want to talk about shit they've done 35 years ago. Well, know? of course. I mean, you were, six I mean, years ago. No, I've been saying this for years, especially about Charlie. You know, I love Charlie. But no matter what, you work over 40 years in any industry. Are you going to burn a few bridges? It wouldn't be healthy if you didn't. Um, mm. the, you, you, you will be the villain in someone's eyes, but you're not in everyone's eyes. So, you know, you work long enough in any industry, of course, you're going to anger a few folks. But, you know, at the end of the day, you're still going to be making the product that you want to. And Charlie has his niche and he's been doing it for over 40 years now. Definitely. Well, uh, let shall we look at cast and crew? You're normally really yes. good at this, Paul, because you seem to know whoever, whatever. And you'll know this, Billy, because you're streaming on, on everyone else's careers. Yeah. What? <laughs> so swing for well, it. Directed by John Beekler. I'm sure we all know that. Um, obviously, Friday, Friday 7, Troll. Uh, I've got him down as Ghoulie God as well, because he literally is the Ghoulie God. Um, written, uh, okay, so uh, written, according to IMDb, written by Brent Olsen. So, Graham, I think you know more about that one. Well, it was written by Brent Olsen, and then he oh. did the original draft, and okay. uh, Jim Hertzfeld yeah. did the rewrite. So, uh, okay. But he's not so credited, although. He's uncredited. I think they. I think he did go to the um, uh, Writers Guild to sort of contest the fact. Yeah. But this is when he was very early on in the business, and I think you know. Right. I think now he sort of says, "I oh, yeah, to be fair, I didn't do the hard. I didn't. Be, didn't put the the groundwork down. So technically, maybe he shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I get the impression Jim Hertzfield basically wrote the gags. It yeah, wasn't yeah. as funny and silly before he came along, and they said we need to like juice this up. 
So that's I think that that was Jim Hertzfield's role. So I did wonder if, if Brent Olsen was a real name because he's on IMDb. There's nothing else apart from this. <laughs> I don't know. I, well, he, like when I spoke Smithy. to Jim, he he, he yeah, it could be Adam, Adam Smithy. He did refer to him as Brent Olsen. So I can I was I assume that's his real name. I couldn't find him. I've not been able to track him down. Cool. Okay. Uh, so produce. Oh, sorry. Uh, obviously, Luca and Jeffrey Libby are also being credited for the character creating the characters, like they've done in all four of the films, which is quite interesting. So they, they had, is this they, the only time though? No, there is in all four. I think. They're, is they're, it because um, well, maybe it's just the fact it's it's front and center on the well, yeah, credits. Front and center in this one, definitely. Yeah. They yeah. got some money for it. What did they? <laughs> I think I would imagine. I, so. I, no, I think they said they did. Must have the names on there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, produced by Lawrence Kasanoff, who is well known for doing pretty much everything to do with Mortal Kombat. He's produced pretty much every Mortal Kombat thing going, including the new one really? that's about to come out, yeah. Uh, one of my little monster favourites as well, Upworld. Um, he produced that the same year, actually, as uh, Goose Go to College. Uh, and and so, you've never heard of Upworld? Wow. <laughs> actually, it did go by a few different names. Uh, oh, actually, oh, what the, UK, else the UK was a gnome named Norm. Oh, I've heard, I've heard of it. Um, I don't think I've seen it. Stan Winston, in fact, that's a great little film. Yeah, yeah, Stan Winston, actually, yeah. He, he directed it as well, didn't he? He um, did, I yeah, believe he did. The only, the only film he ever directed, I think, if that's right. Stan no, Winston directed Pumpkinhead. And didn't he do second unit on Darkness Falls? Or he did like he, he, he took over something with Darkness Falls as well, right? Well, um, I'm sure he, direct, he, he directed second unit on Aliens. That's when that's what pushed him into the directing itself. But yeah, on Darkness Falls, I believe he did the makeup and some design work. I know that was a great creature. I know that. Yeah, I know they reshot a lot, and I thought they brought him back. I thought they brought him in to reshoot the ending, but uh, okay. obviously he's not got final director. It was whoever else directed it. That's all right. Not a bad film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, remember like, I, I, enjoy, I, I enjoyed Darkness Falls. It's actually a good film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good. Upworld, though, Graham, I highly recommend it. It was funny. It's got um. Okay. Oh. I can't remember his name, but it's the guy out of Weird Science. Completely forgot his name. Oh. Anthony Michael Hall. Oh, Anthony one? Michael Hall. That's it. Yeah, Anthony Michael Hall. Oh. Uh, Chud Two, Bud the Chud, uh, Blood Diner, <laughs> Class of 1999. <laughs> Just reading off some of my favourites that he was involved with, Lawrence Kasanov. The cool. also produced by Ian Patterson who I presume did it because he met John uh, doing Friday the 13th Part 7. Um, because right. other than that, there's not too much he's done. Stranger sort of Things, low dude. Stranger yeah, I was going to say Stranger Things. Yeah, I was just going to say that Stranger Things guy, right? Yeah. Yeah, Stranger Things guy. So he, he did a lot. There's these few low budget things, and suddenly he's gone real big budget doing, now doing stuff like Stranger Things. I love I love yeah. seeing his name come up with that piece of music. I love those guys, and it's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. And I always think of like this is Ghoulies. I'm like, oh my god, Stranger Things. First thing I think of is Ghoulies Three. First time I saw that, and it was Barbara Crampton who introduced me to Stranger Things. Wow, it's I love Stranger show. Things. It's a good show, yeah. Amazing show. Uh, do you want to talk about the music, Graham? Or should we go? Oh, you want to do music now? Well, I don't know. Should we do the cast? Okay. Uh, <laughs> do the cast. We'll do music in okay. a bit. Yeah, no problem. So, lead role was Evan McKenzie as Skip Carter. Uh, he's done Love some Evan. good. He's done some good B movie stuff. Scanner Cop Two. He's got an amazing death scene in that. I love his death scene in that. Uh, also did the Fangoria yeah. film Children of the Night. And obviously we've had him as a guest on the show, and he was he was amazing. I, 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 that was such a fun show. I really enjoyed yeah. the show. 
Yeah, fantastic. He, he was. I think brilliant. the I think the takeaway from that episode was uh, the when when he said he fell over a table and you 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 asked him was it a yank? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was good. That was for the the na- the uh, the naked the naked groupie. I thought that was brilliant as well. A naked, gooey groupie. <laughs> uh, Kevin McCarthy is Professor Ragnar. So he's he's a bit of a legend. He's done, well, he's got 204 acting credits on IMDb. Um, he's done stuff like The Howling, uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the 70s one. Uh, also, interestingly, and I, I wish we'd asked Phil Fondacaro this, he was in mm-hmm. Adam's Family Reunion. Uh, and also, he was. Phil was in Adam's family reunion as well, and we forgot to ask that yeah. question. Did you talk to each other, and did was Ghoulies ever mentioned? Because uh, we had a few <laughs> links, haven't we, with um, actors or directors, etc., who have linked up in other films down the line. Yeah, you could just go through the it, the one I keep coming across is Freddy's Nightmares. Everyone seems yes. to be in an episode of Freddy's Different Nightmares. Different episodes, aren't they? Different episodes. I don't think anyone's done the same episode. No, no. But you say uh, I just got to mention UHF because. Everyone loves that movie, and that's what mm. I really knew Kevin McCarthy for, apart from Invasion of the Body Snatchers before. Oh, okay. Yeah, love yeah. you, Jeff. But didn't this is wait, but now this is one I didn't see for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what's it called? The oh, fuck, what's, it called? what's it called? Have I written it down anywhere? Um, <laughs> he ah <laughs> uh, uh, the sleeping car. I did write it down. Yeah, that's oh, where Beekler wow. originally worked with Kevin McCarthy. On the sleeping oh, okay. car, which I've not seen until recently, but it's actually a really good movie. I've, I've seen the cover. I used to see the cover in the video days. It's got you know, like, yeah, it's a, like really... a zombie zombie face on the front of a car, sort of. It's a yeah, real it's cool cover. Like... Yeah. Yeah. It's a good movie, though. I think it's on YouTube. So if you, anyone's not seen it, go to YouTube and look at the sleeping car. It's really worth going, yeah, watching. I'll check that well, out. I'm actually glad that you mentioned that because I'm writing down some movies, and one I, I'm checking out is Buy and Sell. The whole vampire. Oh thing. God! Um, <laughs> and, and now uh, uh, the sleeping car. You said you said the sleeping car is on is on YouTube. Yeah, is buy and sell on YouTube? Yeah, it is. I just found that. I've out. never seen buy oh, and sell. I've never and seen that. No, I've I, seen the cover. Yeah. Or the, the art for it. I've seen the trailer. It looked fantastic. Oh, and and uh, the uh, sequel to Laser Blast, whatever it is, Enemy Mine. That's also on uh, YouTube now. I found out as well. Ah, oh, okay. Enemy Mine was a sequel to Laser Blast, was it? No, no, no. Um, oh. e- enemy something. Uh, the piece of paper is over there. <laughs> no, not no, Enemy Mine. I, I think no, Enemy, it, enemy Mine. I just, I just went, oh, because I didn't know what you were talking about. <laughs> deadly Weapon. Sorry, oh, deadly, deadly Weapon, weapon. yep, yep. Ah. Enemy, ah. Deadly Weapon, you know, like any yeah, yeah. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Enemy mine is a good. Get film. your notes yeah. near you, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> right. Who else we got, Paul? Eva Larue, who played Erin uh-huh. Riddle. Um, she's very, she's very famous for loads of American TV stuff, which I've never mm-hmm. seen. Um, but <laughs> I, I saw her in the Barbarians, or the Barbarians. Oh, I've seen that. Starring the Barbarian Brothers, and that's that's a great film, you know, for a real cheesy '80s film. Uh, and again, the link with another Goody's alumni. She was in yeah. Mirror Images 2, uh, which also starred Luca Bercovici. Um, we was did that ask. Star you, well, I did ask. Or was yeah, yeah, they're both they're both actors in it. Uh, oh, okay. I know you mentioned it. I wasn't sure if yeah, you directed yeah. it or not. 
no, no, he was an actor in this one, and and so was she. Uh, it's a bit of a well, it's an erotic thriller. Um, yeah. But uh, no, he doesn't. Re- he, I think he said he remembered her, but they didn't really talk that much. Obviously, it was a long time ago. We're talking like ninety, early nineties. Yeah. Especially not about ghoulies. Yeah. <laughs> but the Barbarians is great. I love the Barbarians. Um, obviously, very sadly, one of them passed away recently, didn't they? One of the Barbarian brothers. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next on the list, John R. Johnston, who played Heilman, or Jeremy Heilman. Uh, now, he's quite interesting. He hasn't done many acting roles at all, but he popped up again in the 2000s uh, as the editor, producer, uh, camera operator and working in the sound department for Dan Aykroyd Unplugged on UFOs. <laughs> well, so I, I actually looked that up the other. I looked that up the other day. I'm glad yeah. you said that because I'm like, how? Where the hell could they pop this in? And I'm glad. Yeah, yeah. that's bizarre. That's, that sounds like I need to watch that because that's just bizarre. He's come out of nowhere and just done that. And again, there's nothing. I don't think there's anything since. So, is that the set? Okay, I've got, I've got. Okay, is that the that unplugged in UFOs? Is that the show that Dan Aykroyd did that got pulled off the air, like after like about two episodes? Because essentially, possibly. I think the CIA came in or something like that. And said, nope. I want to watch it even more. It's quite possibly, yeah. I'm I sure thought... Dan Aykroyd. I, I had an interview with him, and he, I'm sure he said that they pulled something off the end. It sounds familiar, but um, uh, John Johnston, I'm sure he was a musician as well, and oh, someone, someone I spoke to. On the set, on on the car. it could have been even it could have been Evan McKenzie. Someone told me that they they saw him playing on uh, American chat show like a band. So he must oh, be wow. obviously he's obviously. Thing is that's not on the IMDb, is it? No, no, no. You know you do theatre, it's not on the IMDb. You're a musician, no. it's not on the IMDb. So mm-hmm. obviously he's been busy, just not necessarily doing this stuff. Movies, yeah. Yeah. Isn't that interesting. <laughs> Next on the list, I cannot pronounce his surname, but I'll give it a go. Patrick Laborte, Laborte, Laborte. Yeah, I think in French, I think it's it's like Laboreau or something. Laboreau, okay. He played Mookie. Um, He was on Jag. He had a big role on that series, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember seeing him. uh, He was in Ski School. I remember seeing him in Ski School, which is around the same time. Or even better than Ski School. Was it Heather's? Summer School. Oh, Summer School. Did I think she's one of my favourite movies of all time? <laughs> oh, of course, yeah, that was before. That was in 87, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. No, I prefer Ski School. Really? I think it's got more nudity, maybe. I think <laughs> Ski School has more. I mean, you could almost. I would love. I wish the Ghoulies went to Ski School. I would love to see them go skiing. It's still like, happening. Mean, <laughs> ski School could almost be in the world of Ghoulies 3. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely, yeah. He had a, free, he had a role in Free Ninjas. Um, and he was very recently in The Last Sharknado, It's About Time, which no. I haven't seen. I haven't seen. I guess that was the very last one they did, but I haven't seen that one. Oh, you haven't seen that one? No. But yeah, yeah, it was a good one. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I think the last one I saw was when they, they filmed at um, Universal Studios. They went to, and they, they were on a lot of the rides and stuff. Yeah. Billy Morissette, who played Wes or Wesley. Now, interestingly, he he was in the same, around the same time he was in Pump Up the Volume. Uh, he's done quite a lot of stuff, actually. But uh, years later, another one of my favorites, Vegas Vacation. But I think he had a very, very small role in that one. But um, interestingly, he was a director and he directed a film called Scotland PA, which I haven't seen. But I watched the trailer and it actually looks really good. It's uh, it's like Macbeth, um, his take on Macbeth, but it's uh, in a burger joint. 
and it's got Christopher Walken in it. Oh. <laughs> I'd never heard of it, and I watched the trailer. I was like, "Wow, that actually looks quite good." I would, I would probably actually watch that. And he directed that. Uh, I think he wrote it as well, uh, and his wife was in it, or ex-wife was in it. So yeah, I thought that was quite interesting. Next on the list, uh, Hope Marie Carlton, who played Veronica. Gorgeous. Uh, oh yes, mm. and uh, she's very well known. Well, to me, she's very well known for her films with Andy Sedaris. So she played Taryn in Hard Ticket to Hawaii, uh, Picasso Trigger, and Savage Beach. Uh, amazing set of films, all the Andy Sedara stuff. Uh, obviously, she was also in The Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4. She was, I think she was billed as the wet dream girl. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so she's one of, probably, one of my, probably my favorite death in The Nightmare on Elm Street 4. And she was the girl in the waterbed. Uh, and actually, on the poster in that movie, it says it's a poster. It says Hope Marie Carlton. Yeah, it's not like she's playing someone else. It's like, oh no, that's her. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> As for um, and also quite interestingly, which I found out recently, she was in the pilot episode of Baywatch, and she was actually topless in it. So the the original the original um, pilot episode of Baywatch before it became a TV show, it had several scenes of nudity. And they kind of shopped it around. And in Europe, uh, there was nudity. And obviously, before it got picked up in America, and it changed quite a bit. But yeah, you can still find it out there on the internet. And uh, I think it's on the German Blu-ray release as well, the original one. And so, yeah, she, she's quite, kind of infamous, I guess, as being the, girl, the topless girl from the original Baywatch. How, how did you find it, Paul? Did you actually go for a search for this? or? You... Uh, no, it, weirdly, it popped up on one of the horror sites I'm on. Um, and I was like, why, why is, why is the Baywatch episode on here? And, and they said it, it was a bit of a curiosity because it, um, it was a, it was a pilot, which was, well, it was aired, but not with all these scenes, uncut scenes in it. So it's like, they edited, edited. Yeah. 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 So it, it was a uh, panic at Malibu beach. But, oh. um, yeah, the, the uncut version has got some nudity and sex scenes in it. And yeah, it was, there, there it was Hope Marie Carlton. Yeah. So yeah, very bizarre. Uh, next on the list, Stephen Lee, who played Barkus or Officer Barkus. Uh, he's that's great. He was amazing in everything. I love yeah. Stephen Lee. Yeah. Dolls is my favorite. I uh, love yeah. I highlighted Dolls because that was such an amazing film anyway, and he had a really good role in it. Um, mm. Prehysteria, one of my favorite films, and mm. he was the main bad guy in that. And he was so and, over at the top in that role, too. Yeah. So vivacious, yeah. yeah. animated. Such a great guy. And Robocop 2, he was kind of like the slimy uh, yeah. police officer. He was like the police officer, wasn't he? Who, um, who, oh, I can't remember what he did. He was, uh, yeah, he was he a was, police officer. He was, also had the, he was working the with the guys. bad guys. Wasn't he? Yeah. yeah, he's working with the bad guys. But yeah, he's but had he's loads so, of But how good is it? To li- I mean, you look at him in Dolls. I mean, to be fair, mm-hmm. in a few th- he's been, been in a few. I think it was in an episode of CSI or something when like he was took a bomb. He did. I remember that episode. Yeah, it was called Boom. The episode was called Boom. I remember that Mm -hmm. episode. Yeah. Yeah. You feel so sorry for him. You do, because he's Mm -hmm. he's, he's the type of actor, as funny as he is, he carries pathos incredibly well. And I think a really good actor can do both. And he will, he, and he did, I mean, he proved himself to be a good, and he he was a very, it was very sad when we lost him, but he was a very good actor. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, amazing. And after Stephen, we have Griffin O'Neill, who played Blaine. Um, he's in one of my actually in one of my favorite films, uh, The Wraith. I absolutely oh, love that okay. film. 
Have you seen the Wraith? Are you going to April Fool's Day? <laughs> well, that, that's the other one, but the Wraith just does it for me. It's just like the whole 80s, a really cool car. It's got Charlie Sheen in it. Uh, and also, um, I've completely forgotten the name. But the, yeah, and his famous father, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously, yeah. He, he hasn't had many acting roles, but obviously he's got a very famous family. Um, I think he's had the sort of public troubles online. Um, but yeah, the Wraith, I thought he's amazing in that. Yeah, he had a fairly small role, but weirdly, he actually appeared on the cover, on the artwork for it, on the poster. Um, but yeah, obviously, April Fool's Day as well. Well, this is uh, Griffin O'Neill is number two on my list of people who don't remember doing Ghoulies Go to College. Oh, really? Um, really? Because oh, when, I, when, I, when I approached him, yeah, he literally yeah. said, he said, I oh, know I did it. I'm there. I can't remember anything about it. Yeah. I hear him and uh, and and John R. Johnston, I thought they really nailed like these sort of asshole frat guys. But there you go. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh next Marsha Wallace, who played Miss Boggs very famous for being Edna Crabapple from The Simpsons. Crabapple sure. always trying to squeeze Joey Gladstone's bum on Full House, I remember as well. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> I remember her on Full House. She was very funny. Yeah. She was She was on a show I love so much. It was Trey Parker and Matt Stone. It's mm-hmm. called That's My Bush, when Bush was a prophet. <laughs> and she, she, she plays the maid in Maggie, and she is so hysterically it's a, it's a brilliant show mm-hmm. i would recommend if you haven't seen that's my bush if you like, <laughs> if you like south park right if you george bush in office you got to check it out so funny <laughs> never, never heard, of, heard that. of that that's no. sounds really funny though just by you saying like that <laughs> that's my but, I mean, it's a funny it's a funny title because <laughs> when he was coming into office it was i think between whatever uh al gore and bush you remember like see the show was either going to be all about al or yeah. that my bush and bush <laughs> went in the office like well the shoe fits so trey parker and stone made it so fun amazing <laughs> nice. so uh, there is obviously a it's lot kind of it, in this film but I've, I've, I've got to mention jason scott lee who played kyle yeah uh, and obviously matthew lillard who played stork um yeah yeah, I think that, that is, I think it's listed. That's Matthew Lillard's first ever role. Obviously, yeah, he, he grabbed my head when I met Matthew Lillard. He grabbed yeah. my head. I will never forget it. Is that a hard? That's what happened then. <laughs> I, I don't know what he, he was. He was such a nice guy, but he grabbed my head and I said to him, "Dude, you worked with John Carl Beekler." And this was like a year after he passed. And, and yeah. I don't know why he's, he has his hands on my head talking to me. <laughs> But sitting right next to him is Skeet Ulrich, who is laughing his ass off because like, <laughs> I don't know if I should be a jerk and just take his hand and just swat it away from me. But his hands were And then he turns to this little girl and does this Scooby voice. So <laughs> clearly he's on something. I don't know. Yeah. But he turns so like a kid. It's just like, oh, how do you do with this little girl? She walks away, comes back. He puts his hands on my head, and I'm like, it was nice talking to you about Ghoulie Street. Thank you. <laughs> I, walk off, I walk off, and Skeet Ulrich is bent over in hysterics, laughing as I look over. And he looks at me like, can you believe that shit? And I'm like, I don't know what to think. But I love the experience. And he was a wonderful guy. Yeah. It was a very strange set of circumstances. <laughs> 
brilliant. Um, I, I need I, to mention before you finish the the um uh, the cast poll. I need to I mention one more name um, on there. I had one more oh, name. Oh, okay, might be the one I was going to mention. Who is it? Well, I was going to mention Kane Hodder. Oh, okay. What a bucket guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just had to mention Kane Hodder because, you know, he's a great link with John Beekler. They're obviously very good friends. Well, he was stunt coordinator, I guess. They yeah, stunt to... coordinator, but yeah, he was also in it as well. Yeah. Doing the stunt in the bucket. That's actually a hell of a stunt. If you, you might laugh at it, but if you really look at it, it actually is a hell of a stunt. How he basically is getting propelled. He punched me at a convention. So. He's always punching. <laughs> yeah, he punched me straight in the chest. Oh, you know that was quite fun. Also, he choked me. But he used to choke everyone, didn't he? King Hodder. But yeah, he's great. I love him. Um, so who have uh, you got, Graham? You want to mention? I him have person? one more person, just because of his uh, the other movies which I love. Uh, Dan Shaw, who plays oh, yes. Professor, um, mm-hmm. who's the guy at the beginning of the movie who yeah. uh, kind of banishes the 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 ghoulies in what like 1969 or 1970, whenever yep. it's set. Yep. But obviously, and I wouldn't have, I would not have known this if I did not looked up his um, uh, resume. But um, mm-hmm. he played Billy the Kid in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, mm-hmm. which uh, really obviously I, I love him. <laughs> I love him. I love him. I mean, as Billy the Kid, he's he's probably one of my he's probably my favorite Billy the Kid alongside Emilio Estevez, obviously. But um, yeah, he's great. <laughs> Fantastic. I don't know if he remembers doing it. <laughs> you not got hold of him. Um, I did, I did kind of, I think I got a message to him via someone else, uh, mm-hmm. but I never heard back and I think he probably really doesn't care. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> I, I, I have a ghoulies questions for you guys, if, mm-hmm. if that would be okay. If, yeah. now, if, if you look at the beginning of ghoulies three, clearly the estate that, you know, is, I imagine supposed to be the whittles where they filmed the original, where now... This estate is a dormitory. I mean, yep. did you, what did you think of that connection? It's like, how big I is I never it? thought it was supposed to be the Wattles Mansion. I never even occurred to me. But mm. in, in an early script of this, it does say, it does mention, I think it was something to do, it was something to do, it, the, where it was connected the comic book. Like that was that was originally it wasn't like a printing press or something, but essentially that was where the guy who designed the comic book lived. Okay. And that's why they found that original inked copy. That that was in the like an early draft, but um, hmm. I don't I don't think that was meant to be. Did you ever take it as the Wattles Mansion, Paul? No, no, I didn't. Well, just considering it says 21 years earlier, I always thought they were trying to go somehow back to the original, considering that was somewhere on that plot of land where. Uh, okay. I mean, that's something I took away, but I mean, I mean, it could be different to someone else, but mm. it would yeah, have been the, nice. I mean, I, you, it could have started like that, like that. Mm-hmm. You found it wasn't a comic book. It was the actual book, Malcolm's book. I mean, you know, it's in the second movie. Yeah, because the book, the comic book was based off of another book, wasn't it? Am I right? How do you mean? I think it's mentioned in the film. The, the Ghoulish Tales is... Oh, it's based on a medieval, else. like a, a, a medieval, medieval like a text. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah, and that's where that image of the character, it's, it's, it's weird because it's like Kevin McCarthy's character, Ragnar, it's, like, it's, it's almost like he's looking into like the Necronomicon if you kind of look at that show. I mean, it, it looks like he is looking at some sort of like weird medieval <laughs> text. It looks like, you know, Klata, Barata, Nikto, <laughs> you know, and there's no one. <laughs> I, pause, I pause the movie. Um, 
to find out what book he, you know, but when he opens that book and compares the comic to it, you yeah. can see that they obviously plastered a picture into that uh, that um, that book, and I've forgotten who that was, but it's a, I think it's like Pope. It's well, it's an old Pope that they've they've um, slightly changed to put right. like you know bits and pieces on it. And I think basically all they did was basically add a stomach on it, but it's an old papal. It's like the oh fuck, I can't remember. <laughs> Essentially, it was like a. It was like it was a joke because because it was like this pope was renowned as like a really nasty person and he was mm-hmm. you know quite controversial and that was a picture of it and I, at the time kind of like, like a like a torquemada or something like that yeah like, yeah and the yeah. so they, they changed this someone to equal nasty or whatever probably by somewhere it's got really, it's a really good history but I can't remember I, I've got it somewhere but um. So they've plastered this page into this book, which is kind of obvious. Yeah. And um, I don't know what I did, but I must have zoomed in and found I found the book that they plastered it, this into. And it's like an old – it's like volume three of an encyclopedia or something. And, you know, <laughs> if anyone wants to know, I'll, I'll dig it out <laughs> if you want to recreate right. it. But, you know, that's, yeah, that's, that's the extent I go to to find out. <laughs> Graham goes deep. Yeah. <laughs> this inquiring monster monster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you need to tell us. I need to know that. <laughs> I'll find out. It's it's written down somewhere. Um Well you still what, haven't you still haven't found out for me um what the actual uh, sound system was, the Yamabachi. You said I remember I, I, oh. I tasked you to find out what it actually yeah. was. Yeah. Oh. What what they changed the, what did they change the name from? Yeah, I don't know. Have yeah, you done it? What's the model? Because I I'd love to own that and just put a Yamabachi logo on it. And at the same same time, can you do uh, the one from part two, the red one? Oh, the tunes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, when is Billy Butler coming on? <laughs> Soon. Yeah, he'll know. <laughs> <laughs> he knows all. <laughs> I love Billy Butler. Yeah. I've always wanted you to meet. pre-ordered his book. I, I I did actually. I'm very excited. Actually, I contributed to his movie. Um, uh, my babysitter, the hero. I, I the title escaped, but it sounds really funny. And I remember I actually threw a few dollars towards his uh, campaign. And I uh, one of the perks I actually was his book. So I'm actually incredibly excited. Yeah. About- Book. Checking that tawdry tales, I mean, it's, it sounds amazing. I'm looking forward to it. It's gonna be good, I'm sure. <laughs> I reckon there'll be some controversial stuff in there, some fun stuff. Oh, whilst whilst I'm on the subject of um zooming in and trying to get information from uh from screenshots, Paul. <laughs> yep. <laughs> when was Prank Week? Was it September 10th? Yes. You guys September. talked about this in one yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've listened to all three. your episodes, and yeah. you did say it was either the first week or the third week, I think. <laughs> yeah. And you it's were like, trying to differentiate between the third. two. It was the same week that the Blu-ray came out. It was. Bizarrely, and it? I, I let I, I when I spoke to NSM, I said, uh, I said, oh, you, you, this is great that it's it's you know part and parcel prank week, and they were just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh we did this yes it wasn't like it was this intentional bob yeah. I, I don't know rob but just go with it just go with it <laughs> just go well you know no i think they all right whatever um right well that was the cast um, crew did you oh obviously we've done voices already oh i'll tell you what you haven't done paul yeah oh did the you synopsis say- that was next yeah why not because we forgot it about on the ghoulies 2 episode how oh, do we Okay, yeah. So yeah, we normally read the synopsis. So I've got the Ghoulies go to we college. Don't normally read it. 
UK DVD. We did it on the first one. I forgot on the second one. So sometimes we forget we remember to do the synopsis. <laughs> so this is the UK version from the DVD release uh, from 2001. So it's quite an old release. But again, there's been no Blu-ray outside of Austria yet. So And obviously that's all in German on the back. So I couldn't read that one. <laughs> so here we go. Who destroyed the professor, professor's desk? Who bombed the campus police van? Who raided the sorority house? Who else? The ghoulies. Those wisecracking demons are back in their third outrageous misadventure, this time in a head-on crash course through the halls of higher learning. The college pranking championship is up for grabs, and each fraternity is trying to pull the most spectacular stunt. But now they're about to get some real competition. Nutty Professor Ragnar has the ghoulies under a spell that he thinks will help him stop the dangerous pranks once and for all. So the ghoulies are enrolled and they're ready to give the fraternities a bitter taste of their own medicine. Now the college really is an animal house. Watch the fun as the ghoulies have a great time bringing down higher education. That's it. Is that it? Yeah, and just they actually said instead of Nutty Professor Ragnar, they've put Radnar. <laughs> on the back of the DVD, so that was incorrect. <laughs> I, I don't know whether or not it was your accent, Paul, but yeah. but the fact the the annual prank championship couldn't have sounded any more English. <laughs> and what you read, almost like the first, like I remember, that's exactly what's actually on the same as the uh, best drum video VHS okay. that we have here in the states. Everything you said sounds so familiar. So yeah. that's also on the VHS I know that. <laughs> Even the wrong spelling of the name, I recognize that as yeah. well. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> oh, they really pushed the boat out with that then. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, do you want to just run through some things that you've noticed about this movie and, 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 and Billy, things that you kind of like about it? I mean, yeah. What, what I should just get out of the way first, because two comments popped up on uh, Goodies on Flash the other day, the Facebook group. Mm -hmm. And uh, was it Cody Allen? And someone else, someone <laughs> Jacob else. Ray. That was it, Jacob Ray. Um, so <laughs> D Cody brought up the fact that Doug and the Pontiac song, uh, oh, there's yeah. a party going on, hasn't been, hasn't seen a release. Mm -hmm. And um, Jacob Ray brought up the fact that as we've spoke about, where's the Blu-ray? Yeah. Now, although um, who was it? Michael Lloyd and Reg Powell did the the, the score. Yeah. Um, Fred Mullin and Stan okay. Meisner did yeah. the, uh, basically, basically the majority of the songs for it. Yeah. Like um, they did uh, Heart of Ice and Renegade, or at least mm -hmm. um, Stan Meisner did. And I think Fred Mullin kind of wrote some of them. But um, uh, There's a Party Going On was sung by Doug. I've even got a, I'm sure I've got a note somewhere. Doug that's Varty. There you go. So Doug, Doug Varty sung what? what? Oh, that's interesting. I just thought of something as you said, Doug. Oh, okay. Well, Doug Varty sung it. I think it was written by Fred Molin, and Stan mm -hmm. Meisner was the band, was the Pontiacs, essentially. Right. Okay. So it's not, it was literally, like, it was something that was created for the movie. Mm -hmm. And uh, as far as I know, it does not exist outside of the film. Like like many of these things, it was kind of, the, it was sent to the studio, and wherever it is now, no one seems to know. Although... Such a good, such a good song. It is, but there is a there is a the music video which I don't know actually if this is even official or not, but I kind of think it is because it's it's 
kind of very 1990, but there's yeah. a music video on YouTube of this song, mm-hmm. uh, and it is the full song. Um, so if if you want to, if someone can rip it, well I've ripped it already, but you can you can rip the song from YouTube, yeah, yeah. and essentially mm-hmm. you've got you've got the full thing. You know, you've not got to just take yeah, it in yeah. the end credits. But I don't think we'll ever see an official release, at least not anytime soon. Well, you never know if if Festron released the Blu-ray at some point, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, if you look at the look at the NSM Blu-ray, and yeah. I think the menu, uh, you know, like the, the the what you call it, menu, root menu, or whatever, yeah. has got that song playing over the top of it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know whether or not they just took it from, um, you know, oh, ripped it from the ripped film. that from the movie, yeah. or they actually had the the audio file. I should just ask them, shouldn't I? Yeah. Oh, and the <laughs> other <laughs> bit of information, uh, and it comes down to the third person who doesn't remember doing the film. Uh, Laurie Yates uh, sung "Modern Romance," yeah. the, uh, the 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 uh, the song. What's playing the song. when uh, wasn't Veronica. the song when Veronica strips? Now uh, I contacted Laurie Yates because I think it was again Stan Meisner. I think he wrote they they wrote that again for mm-hmm. her to sing, and that's never again never popped up anywhere. Uh, so I emailed her and said, "Hey." Uh, where's this song? Does it exist? Whatever. And she was like, mm-hmm. nope, not me. I'm like, <laughs> like, are you sure? Stan said it was you. Are you sure it's not you? She was like, nope, nope, nothing to do with me. Leave me alone. And so I'm like, okay. And then I thought, okay, I'll tell you, what, I'll send her a clip of the film with her, with that song playing. So I sent her the clip across and she was like, that's me. <laughs> He's like, I should get some money for this. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe the thing is though I don't see a reason why someone if they if someone re-recorded it you'd still buy it mm-hmm. it doesn't exist re-record it I'll buy it you know yeah yeah it can't be that hard to replicate you know replicate um, a backing track and you know Laurie's still a singer so so maybe we could go that route we, all could, mm-hmm. we could all chip in we could do like a kickstarter Scroll <laughs> a few bucks, rent radio space. You know, I mean, you, you can rent space fairly cheap. I mean, it's it's no tall order if you really think about that. Rent. It's a matter of if they want to. <laughs> yeah, it could be done. It could be done. Oh, uh, so anyway, yes, there you go. I think that's kind of my my um bizarre little Your input. <laughs> bits of information that I needed to get out there. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny you mentioned um, dog. Because yeah. uh, in in the in the college hall, uh, I think it's the ne- next uh-huh. to the next to the uh, next to the um, the vendor machine with the wax chocolate bars. Uh, there's a there's a poster on on the notice board that says free sand. Um, and you, ba- you use a little tear off so you can come and dig your own. And yeah. it's called Doug. Doug is the name you've got a call on that poster. <laughs> Could be some, you know. Who knows? It could be related to the music potentially. You, you. I'm not the only one who paused stuff. You must have paused no. it to look at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's a lot easier when there's a Blu-ray. <laughs> you got much it's clearer. Be- oh, I, I, <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful thing that pause feature yeah. when it comes to Blu-ray. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love HD. I would have. I noticed the poster, but I obviously never got to the point where I felt I needed to uh to pause it in order to <laughs> go that in depth. Yeah. Maybe you could well, replicate it. Oh, I've not, throughout, just throughout the whole film, there is so much stuff in the background, so many posters on the walls, isn't there? And so many little things. I, I was just desperate to spot something that uh, relates to Ghoulies or Ghoulies Two. I thought there's got to be something somewhere, but I literally could not find anything. 
I don't know well, if you, yeah. of you guys have spotted him. There's just so much going on in the background, such busy background, you know, in the dorm rooms. The only and, uh... thing I can't make out 100% is some yeah. of the pictures in the bathroom. Yeah. A lot of them are very obvious, yeah. uh, like the demon, the, I forgot his name, Belfagor or whatever his name is, you know, mm-hmm. like the shit demon. Yeah. Um, but but there's there's plenty of stuff that you can know. That's a photo, but I just can't see what yeah. it is. Mm-hmm. So there could be stuff, you know, hidden there. I mean, there's a picture of John Beekler behind the baker's door. Behind the door, yeah. Door. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, um, I'll tell you what. Yeah. Also, a little bit of information. This is this is coming from the original script as well. It could almost be a question, Paul. Right. Okay. Maybe it is. <laughs> and <laughs> do you know what the you know at the opening of the movie? You know they stick a goat on the flagpole. Yep. Do you know what the goat's name is? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> <laughs> the, goat the goat features very called, prominently. It, well, it does. You know, in a lot the of goat scenes, is called Glenda the Glazier Glee Gloat. <laughs> Can't even say that quickly, can I? Glenda <laughs> the Glazier Glazier Glee Goat. God, say it quickly, Paul. Glenda the Glazier Glee Goat. Oh, there you go. You can say it, yeah. Glenda. <laughs> Glenda the Glazer Glee Oh, look at that. Paul, what have you, what what notes have you got? Because um I'm gonna if you've not got much in the way of notes, I'm gonna start asking brilliant well, bits. Um, I mean, I, I was I was gonna guess ask you guys like who is your favourite actor slash actress, you know, favourite scene, favourite kill, things like that. Um, oh, well, got, well, okay, well, well no, well, let's start with Billy then. That's so you know, because I'm interested yep. in in uh, his uh, favourite bits. <laughs> Oh my god, well, I think some of the funniest scenes in the movie are, like, when Wesley gets killed, I mean, the way the positioning the body is, it's like a cartoon. Yeah, yeah. His head is sticking out, his leg is straight up, and how the ghoulie is directly on top, and he's like, goodbye, cruel world. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I mean, the jokes with the deaths are so funny, and me, I remember I introduced the movie to to my buddy, and he always said, two balls, one strike. Which always <laughs> I think it's a very funny thing. Oh, it looks like this is a part four, you know. And he goes, oh. yeah, yeah. So I think a lot of the like language that came out of the ghoulies themselves, I found mm-hmm. incredibly funny. Yeah. And I think for characters themselves, I mean, the characters are way of the of the creatures. I think are way more interesting than the actual human characters because the human characters, they're very. Um, and I think Ragnar is the closest thing to a cartoon character as well, you know, mm-hmm. because everyone is kind of straight laced and trying to play straightforward. But even Barkus, Barkus, Ragnar, and the Ghoulies are really like this big cartoon element. In that. I think yeah, those yeah. are really the, the highlights of the movie. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. the whole bomb, you know, like, oh, it's a bomb. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, it's a cartoon. It's so funny. Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, so- it's, so, it's, it's so audacious and over the top, you can't help but laugh at it. Mm-hmm. There's even the scene as well when um when the three goodies appear and they're like prank week, prank week, and obviously cat goes pancake. He does that twice. <laughs> but the second time he does it when they they bash him around the head and he, they've even got the cartoon stars, like yeah. animated stars that appear around him. Yeah, I mean really to, put in, put, to put animation in yeah. a supposed yeah. horror movie, it's it's so funny because it's mm. just like it's, <laughs> it's a kid's joke and it's this is very funny. So who would you say, you say who would you say your favorite actor is or actress in the film? Kevin McCarthy. Yeah. Or are you great? Cool. Yeah. I think I, I I probably um 
understand where Kevin McCarthy's coming from. I get being, I get kind of being obsessed over something. And obviously, he's got this interest in the occult already, mm. uh, nah, because his freaking uh, office is full of the stuff, you know. So he's obviously this is this just falls under his lap, and then suddenly everything he's been reading about for years and years, you know, he's finally got a reason, you know, to research and kind of start his kind of you know magic to a degree, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, yeah, I, I think I I'm probably uh, yeah I like that aspect of him, but I think uh, Barkas is probably the funnest character in the film. All right. Because whenever Stephen appears on screen in anything, yeah, you just, you just, <laughs> it's just, he's just, <laughs> he just grabs your attention, you know. Everything he does is gold. But that's what Stephen Lee does because he yep. does have that. He has that. He's a big kid if you really think about it. You look at dolls. I mean, he plays that. Even in the Pit and the Pendulum, his humor was so dark. Playing off of mm. the guys. I mean, the, I think Stephen Lee is kind of the unsung comedic hero definitely in Ghoulies 3 if, if I had mm-hmm. to say mm-hmm. oh sure and it works broadly you know that I don't think subtlety is not really the game here and I think that you know he shows he can pull it off without it being cheesy we're talking Ghoulies 3 there's no room for subtlety <laughs> well no <laughs> <laughs> Right. Well, who, who, who's, who's, who's feel, you know, who's... Yeah, I feel bad now, because you, you two, like, both really got some good examples, and I've just kind of gone with Hope Marie Carlton. <laughs> just because she... <laughs> well, she's just beautiful. I think she's the, gorgeous. Yeah, the first time I watched it, obviously, I was of that age, and I was like, wow, she is gorgeous. And she kind of yeah. stole the show for me. I need a bigger picture. Yeah, she was just, like, gorgeous. You know, she, she really, like, steamed up the whole film. She had the... Uh, you know, the amazing dancing slash striptease scene, which is just incredible. Um, she uh, she also had the really good, she was also involved with the, obviously the psycho shower scene, um, which sadly killed her off. Uh, but yeah, every scene she was in, and obviously when um, Skip goes looking for Wes and, and he just walks in and she's just there in her underwear and like, oh, my bra's broke. You know, can you help me fix it kind of thing? She was just like a, well, I'd love to go to a college in America and meet a girl like that. <laughs> Presumably that's how it is. Isn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. But, yeah every scene she was in, I thought she was great. Um, but, yeah, obviously being a teenager, seeing that, I was just like, wow, it was just, you know, amazing. Yeah, no, you're right. But you also can't um, forget the fact that um, really Evan McKenzie had probably the hardest role because not only is he – kind of you, you've got to relate to the guy he's yeah. not an overly funny character he's kind of like uh what's the character in, in um the cool character in animal house was it Walter? he's like ferris bueller almost you know there's a relatable yeah yeah carter yeah it, you really because he does break the fourth wall and he, he looks at you for a second so there there is an essence of him that is very much that and I agree with you. I, I, I'm trying to think of the movie that you were thinking of, but I mean, he is like a Ferris Bueller kind of an every man, you know, likes to have a laugh, you know. Yeah, he's, he's like the brains. He's like the brains of the bunch, isn't he? Of, yeah. Of the beaters. He's Which like is normally brains. a thankless role, but yeah. he does it so well because he's just so endearing and uh, likable. You know, he. I, yeah. Yeah, that's it. He's just absolutely likable. I think, you know, if, if you'd have cast that role differently, it 
could it would have ruined the movie. I think a lot of it does ride on his shoulders, even though you don't realize it is. Mm-hmm. There's very much a likable jerk component to Skip Carter that is enduring that I think everyone enjoys. Not unlike what I guess you would say George Clooney did say for Return of the Killer Tomatoes. He's likable. He's charming. <laughs> but, you know, still in he in carry, but he still carries the film. Yeah. Mm. Uh, the, the, only yeah time I, the only time I kind of disliked him was when he had the argument with Mookie. Mm. I just, yeah. Well, he was right. Yeah, just I don't know. Well, maybe he pushed him. Maybe it, he pushed. Yeah, him. he did. He like pushed him over. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that allowed was it Matthew Lillard got some lines in that bit as well, so it allowed him to say something. <laughs> just, well, he, he's got he's got like at the beginning Matthew Lillard says like we're the pranking. Yeah. And then like <laughs> I don't know what he says at the end there, but um, <laughs> all I, I can imagine like, now cool is it, a bit guys, like he, it, when they when they push when he pushes them over, he's something like cool it guys, what? and they all just get up and walk out. It's kind of weird oh, how they all take Mookie's side. I thought you were so cool. Yeah, and yeah. And they all walk out. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, just like, wow. It's, it's yeah. almost like he's just, yeah. But, but you feel for the character because, I mean, even though it is a – that was a real moment in the film that you actually feel, even though this is this weird creature feature that's so audacious. Yeah. Like there, there are scenes in this film that are touching, and, and there is a pathos. And, you know, I, I think it's so funny how this film just veers all over the place because you do feel – where it's like, I'm going to look at this objectively and just be like, this is ridiculous, but you actually do feel something for these characters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm. I, I agree. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. I'm kind of interested in whether, I mean, the script I have is just a little bit bigger than the the, the end result, you know, but in, in some respects you kind of, there is a little bit more um, character development and stuff. And again, I don't know whether or not they shot this stuff. Um, Knowing Bickler, he probably just shot what he wanted. But it, mm-hmm. it kind of, in some respects, you kind of, kind of want to see a little bit of a normal day, <laughs> you know. This is all based around this kind of like, you know, intense kind of prank week. But in some respects, you, it would be nice to see like just the day before, the night before, you know, just to see some normality and see what these guys are like. Yeah. You know? They didn't shoot that, of course, but uh, you know, it's still uh <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't. I just, I just watch more. Which also, which kind of brings us around to the deleted scenes, really, because. Yeah. Um, oh, but the only so John Beekler said they did a load of over-the-top deaths and they were mm-hmm. cut because I think it was I think it was Larry it was either Larry or Ian mm-hmm. said no no too much so they they pulled everything back before it you know even saw a release so I don't know how much of the stuff that actually that we didn't see but the only proof we have of any of these things is the the famous uh still of Blaine with the with the eggs for eyes and the bacon for a mouth after he gets pummeled with the flying flying pan. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I have seen that image and I don't know why the hell that never showed up in the film itself. But I, I saw something years ago. Continue. I never knew that this was actually pertains to a missing scene, but now things are starting to fall into place. Mm-hmm. Oh, OK. Well, it was it was a, actually it was on the back of the English VHS. Yeah. Yeah. So so, which was re- really kind of frustrating because you're, you you look at the back, you're like, wow, look at that. There's some, what's that guy? And then mm-hmm. you watch the movie and then you go, well, that should have been in it then. So mm-hmm. automatically you're like, oh, what happened? You know, so yeah. ever since day one of watching this movie, I've known that that scene wasn't in it. Yeah, you know? it's bizarre. Setting up a joke and not 
being able to tell the punchline it's it's frustrating because you know it's, it's because you yeah you you I mean you hear the his face contort when when he gets hit by the frying pan you hear that kind of like yeah. that kind of rubbery noise and you can you can picture it in your mind you know what's actually happening mm-hmm. and uh, to have that kind of like just like just sort of under your nose saying oh this is what this is what we you know you could have seen but you know for whatever reason they thought it was too jokey we've taken it out it's crazy. just a bit of a shame, you know. So Definitely, I don't know how yeah. much else. When it's kind of weird when you think about it, because obviously the U, the UK release of Ghoulies Go to College, so the artwork was Ghoulies One. Mm-hmm. Um, the promotional stuff they used the Ghoulies Two inflatable toilet, and then on the screenshots yeah. on the back they've put a scene that was not even in the film. It's kind of like who thought of all this? <laughs> <laughs> who was in the office doing all this? <laughs> Lightning video has well, some explaining to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I should talk about that scene as well. Um, why, why do you think the Ghoulies thought that was Skip Carter? Fort Blaine was Skip Carter. Um, because yeah, <laughs> well, because he walks in and says Skippy. It's like why would be oh, yeah, Skip Carter? Skip Carter, breakfast I don't know. You can't think too much into these things, Paul, because you'll ruin the fun. <laughs> Uh, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> you could anyway. say. You could say. Why are they eating ice cream at freaking eight o'clock in the morning? You know, I mean, like oh. Sundays. I mean, I don't know. I don't care. It's, it's not going to ruin my enjoyment. Yeah. No why. <laughs> <laughs> no, it didn't ruin my enjoyment. I was just interested. I'm like, why, why did the Ghoulies think that he was Skip? Obviously, it's quite a big mistake to make because Skip. Not a spoiler alert. But Skip comes back to save the day a bit later on, didn't he? When Aaron's. <laughs> Yeah, trouble. but they they realise they made a mistake, so yeah, they admitted to it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm also convinced that Cat Ghoulie had a cast iron stomach because if he's drinking Drano and that doesn't yeah. hurt him, where in the first one that they fucking that they can blow up and that hurts them, then <laughs> that Cat Ghoulie has a cast iron stomach. He can handle way more <laughs> beer. <drain. laughs> oh well, it. it it probably is not as strong as Drano. It was Drain X, so that's um, probably. Oh, you're right. Yeah. You know, the lesser. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they can they can survive toxic waste, can't they, from the second one? So drinking it wasn't toxic Drain X. waste. Yeah, it was. It was what was it? It was like solvent. So yeah. Yeah, but you don't keep an open container like that just sitting out. I mean, <laughs> that's what's so funny about part two. It's like the body of the priest who is in like rollerball, all these amazing movies, dissolves immediately in there. Yeah. And the creatures basically pop out and they're unscathed and they're like just like sitting in a sauna, like, so how you doing, yeah. Bob? You know, it's like, oh, <laughs> great speedy. You know. Even the hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> demons it's it's different you know yeah <laughs> so uh well i was gonna say like favorite kill or best kill there's there's not actually many is there in this film no there's not many at all no not 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 saying that's a bad thing because i guess it doesn't fit with the style too much but uh, I mean, for me I mean, ragnar's kill is the most extreme if you think about it because he's mm. more like this weird transitioning into another character where it's like you have yeah. this suck face, which was a joke. You have the body going in. They're all very funny, but Ragnar was more of this weird transition. And then mm-hmm. I think he's really the only one. His, his death, I think, was the most unusual and surreal and most satisfying, I guess you would have to say. Yeah, out of yeah. all. <laughs> I went for Miss Bob. also didn't make... 
You went oh, for Miss Boggs. Uh, oh. yeah. No, I was just going to say, well, I, the, the, the Ragnar death never quite made sense to me. Now, again, I don't care. But as you're picking up little things like, you know, the Skip Carter Blaine confusion, <laughs> if he's got the comic, right? Yeah. But, and, but whoever's got the comic controls the ghoulies, except for Ragnar, yeah. who, if they attack him, they'll become part of him, even if he's not got the comic. So when did that happen? What? 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 <laughs> what made that happen? Why? What did he do an incantation or something? Yeah, because we're now we're playing with the mythology because mm-hmm. we, because we've introduced this book already, and now when you have this component where we're intro, where Ragnar basically is trying to break down this book and seeing like what is the mythology behind this? It's like, oh no, now I'm going to be married with one. Where it's like mm-hmm. we never saw that anywhere before. Like when so like if you think about it, when Uncle Ned dies, shouldn't he have almost kind of like melded? With, considering how the cat Ghoulie actually killed him where now all these other ghoulies are on top of him yeah, yeah. building in but I don't, the book it just is i mean it's really hard to question logic in a horror movie because once you create a mythology eventually then you're rewriting the rules and they mm-hmm. either have to work or stick and i think that's where you can question ragnar isn't dead at the end because you know maybe there was a weird separation and it's really interesting <laughs> because i think the movie raises a lot of questions at the end and then actually ends you know where everything is like a peter jackson movie in hockey (laughs) (laughs) that's true we don't know we don't know where they were i mean there's no bodies right so uh you know you've got blaine and ronnie and um ragnar and yeah who else oh and wesley you know there's no they're all they've all been well they're all i don't know what they did with the body of uh, ronnie Uh, miss boggs is the only body that anyone found yeah yeah so Um, what happened with the rest of the, the Put them down the toilet? I guess so. We can only pray. <laughs> <laughs> Proper well, burial let's, at sea, as we say, grow. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let's let's kind of uh, – we're kind of getting to our time here because we don't want this going to forever. But um, you did say, Billy, that you, you met Beekler before. So um, you must have uh, some kind of memories and uh, – uh, you know, experiences that you can tell us about, you know, I'm talking about like, you know, sight smells, you know, just like what's, what was it like meeting Beekler in person? Cause I, I never had that pleasure. Meeting Beekler when, when Rock and Shock announced that Beekler was going to be there that year, I knew I wanted to have a booth either way. Cause I wanted to show off what, um, to my abilities from going to Tom Sabini's program and the makeup designery out in California. So I wanted to show my portfolio first and foremost. And when I was able to show my portfolio, he was, he said, like, you know, why don't you come over and actually sit down and, you know, with me. And so I went over and sat down with him and here's this man who is at a horror convention and he's meeting so many people and he really is just taking the time to just, you know, look at my portfolio ask me questions about myself. And that's the thing about John. He was just so interested in just me as a person. And I really appreciated that. And I felt bad because when he was leaving, um, he, he mentioned he got into like a small little fender bender uh, a week or two prior. So he was on a cane and these two guys are helping him escort his stuff out at the end of the show. Cause he was leaving and um, the bottom piece of his cane fell off. And now I, me and these two kids are like the ghoulies where we're basically yelling at each other, 
like with this bottom piece of the cane has to be in this bag. And, you know, so Beekler, because I mean, Beekler was heading out and, but I mean, it was wonderful sitting with the man and just, you know, talking with him. But it, my, the very, the, the, my lasting impression when I, when he was leaving, I was a little infuriated because I wanted to find the bottom piece of his cane because he wasn't able to basically, you know, get it in this bag. And these other two kids are reaching in there. And it's like, no, it's got to be in here. And I'm like, oh, my God, the three of us are like the ghoulies. We should just be young. And he's like, you idiot, you know, just like slap their head. It's like, it's got to be in here. And and then I looked at and then I looked at Beekler and I said, you probably think this is like, you know, three monkeys trying to operate a computer here. And he just started laughing out loud. And he's like, this is insanity. <laughs> and I said, I know it is. And so John, I have a very, my memory is he was just a person who liked to laugh. He was a person who was incredibly communicative and just willing to share his knowledge. And he was just a, a lovely man. And I just feel so fortunate to be able to have spent you know, throughout the course of a weekend, at least a few hours of his time where he was just willing to, you know, tell me about what it was like back in the 80s and talk about Charlie Band and talk about makeup effects. And, you know, it, it was just a wonderful experience that I'm very fortunate to have been lucky enough to experience that. It was so funny because we talked about people like Mike Deke, who I know you had on the show, and, you know, Billy Butler and all and Mitch Devane and all these people. And it just made him smile because, you know, thinking of this time capsule back then, because to me, MMI, these guys were all rock stars in my mind. I wanted to get into I mean, I never was could get into metal. I never really was in that. But to me, I loved you know, performance and acting. And to me, there was something very metal about makeup effects. And when I learned about mm. FMI, they were the real, you know, John Beekler was Blackie Lawless as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, <laughs> there was just an inherent coolness about that entire troupe. And I still highly regard all those guys, you know, as some of the best in the Oh, they are. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that's, uh, fortunately, I don't think they're ever going to replicate the uh, the synchronicity and just that pure creative kind of chemistry that they all had at that time. And and I, and and speaking to a lot of them, they do seem to think that that was, you know, uh, one of the, one of the greatest sort of not only a career wise portion of their lives, but just just they loved it, you know. And and the great and the majority of them, I think, also appreciated this, the the fact that it was so special what they were yeah. being what they were involved in at the time. It wasn't like looking looking back and going, oh yeah, that was cool actually. That was really great. It was it was a great time in my life. I think they all kind of realized how special it was then and there. When light, lightning struck a few times for those guys. So mm. it, it's rare because you'll never see that again with another company where there was this amazing synchronicity and mind meld of these, you know, creative people that just made these pieces that are just become so endured and loved, you know, by us fans. Um, this has been fantastic, Billy. I really appreciate you taking some time out, uh, especially when you're a bit under the weather as well. Thank you so much for allowing me to come on. This has been the highlight, you know, of just being able to talk and laugh. And thank guys, thank you so much for your time. I really mm -hmm. do appreciate it. Uh -huh.